prayer and I was just wondering if there might be somebody who has a special need on your heart this morning. It could be a variety of different things, but if you have a special need on your heart this morning, I'd like to invite you to just come right here. It's not that there's anything necessarily special about this spot, but i just love to pray over you as we go into our time of prayer. Whatever's on your heart, we're not going to ask you what it is. God already knows the need. But if you would just step out and move right now into this area, I want to especially pray over you this morning as we pray for our service. So can you do that right now? If you have a special need, just step out and step forward. Has God been good to you this week? God has been especially good. I want to give God a praise as they're coming. You know, we prayed last week over my father-in-law. They had discovered a mass on his kidney and uh, they were thinking it was probably cancer, and uh, they did further scans, further tests, and it turned out it was actually benign cyst, so he is going to be all right. And I know there are those who would say, well, that's just coincidence. The prayer didn't do anything. That was the, the result that was already going to happen, but I believe that the prayer did something, and I believe that the prayer went forth and we, ju we just want to be thankful this morning. We don't want to come to the Lord and ask him for his blessings and then forget to thank him, go away ungrateful. And so we are so grateful for that this morning. God has been good to us. And if anybody else wants to come, you're welcome to join us this morning as we pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We're thankful for the name of Jesus. We are thankful for what he has done to bring us home to you. God, we are thankful for your Holy Spirit. And we want to declare right now, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Have your way with us. Holy Spirit, you are God. We don't want to diminish you, your deity, one bit. You are God, you are sovereign, you are powerful, and we pray that you would come in here like a flood and you would rearrange things. Lord, if we're in the way of that, I, we, we repent because we sense your power is moving and we want your power to move uninhibited this morning. Get us out of the way. Father, I thank you this morning for those who have come and they have special needs. And God, I don't know all the needs. Some of them I do. Some of them I don't. But God, you know every need. You know every hair that's numbered on our head. You know all of our days. Our days were written in your book before we even took our first breath. And so, God, you know these needs. And, God, we, we know that you are the one that can bring healing. You can bring reconciliation. God, you can bring supply to whatever need is here. God, we're thankful for those who are bold enough to step forward and confess that they can't do it on their own, that they have a Father in heaven that they need to turn to. And God, we thank you that you are a good Father over us. God, when we come to you with a need, you don't look down upon us for that. In fact, God, you're the kind of Father who enjoys when his children come truthfully and boldly and honestly in their time of need. And so, God, we pray that you would pour out your grace on these who have come forward this morning. And God, no doubt there are those who are still in the pews who have needs. They may have needs they don't even know about at this time. But, God, you won't be surprised by any of it. 
And so, Father, I just pray you would go before them. You would clear out their path. God, you would make a way where there is no way. God, you would prepare a place for them to rest in you along life's journey. We thank you that we get to come in here this morning and worship you. There are places around the world where they can't do that in freedom, but God, we are thankful that here in this nation we're able to do that. Help us not to take that for granted. God, help us to fight for the freedom that we have because, Lord, we know when you give us something, you ask us to fight for it. You ask us to protect it, to be good stewards, and so I pray that we would do that today and always. God, we're just so thankful for your presence. We're so thankful for the ministry of the Spirit. We're so thankful that you are a divine healer, God. You didn't stop healing after the days of the apostles in the early church. You still heal because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you for everything you are. Your holiness, your love, your justice, your mercy, everything you are, God. We praise and magnify your name this morning. Thank you for meeting with us and speaking to us. Don't let one person in this room leave unchanged today. Those who are watching online, speak a, a special word to them, God, we pray. Make us all look more like Jesus. He's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. He's the one we run after. He's the great hero of our hearts. And God, we want to be more like him. It's in his name we ask all these things. And Rushwood Church declared together, amen. We love you, God. Thank you for praying with us this morning. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in his holy name. And so I am so glad that I get to be here this morning to magnify his holy name. I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit is here. You realize this morning you are in the presence of someone far greater than the President of the United States. You are in the presence of someone far greater than the world's richest man. You are in the presence, whoever your hero is or someone you look up to, you're in the presence of someone far greater than that this morning. You are in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're in the presence of God. What a privilege to be here. What a privilege to worship Him today. Amen. Amen. Well, I guess you can see that my plane did not crash, and I am praising God for that. I'm a big boy, and some of the planes we were on were some little planes. I have, I've, I've been on planes before, but I'm not sure as small as the ones, some of the ones that we took, but I had a wonderful trip to Indiana, got to meet some wonderful very, very smart folks. You ever get in a room and you feel like, I might be the dumbest one here. You ever had that feeling? You know, it was kind of like that. In fact, I was the only pastor represented there, the only full-time pastor represented there. When they came to me and asked what we were all there for, I said, I'm just a pastor. And I thought, that came out wrong because there's no such thing as just a pastor. But I was um, the only pastor represented there, but smart people. We had a lot of great conversation. We talked about the Great Commission. We talked about the commission that God laid on us, that Jesus laid on his disciples, but we're disciples, so it's laid on us as well to reach the entire world with the gospel. 
and what that looked like and some of the things we might be missing in that. And we just had a great time talking about that and, and um, had a great time with the Lord. And so thank you for your prayers for safety. I was on, I said, like a, the smallest plane or one of the smaller planes I'd ever been on, and I was sitting right above the landing gear. And when we were starting to make our descent, the landing gear came up. Now, I've heard landing gear move before on an airplane, but not like this. It sounded like kind of like a shotgun went off, and I got really nervous really quickly, and I was thankful that the bathroom was right behind me because we were in the cheap seats. But uh, just about scared me to death. But outside of that, really a smooth flight, good time, wonderful time, um, great time in Hoosier country, but it's better to be back in Tar Heel country, amen? So uh, I'm glad you Duke fans didn't clap, but we are the Tar Heel state, so you just got to get over it, state fans too. But anyway, I'm glad to be preaching again, but didn't, didn't Julia Calicut do an amazing job last week? <laughs> amazing job. She's, she's not here today. Uh, she, she's out of state as well, and, and Megan, who is our assistant worship director, is not here with us this morning. It's that time of year. I know that everybody will be going on trips and vacations and things like that. And so we're missing some folks who are normally here uh, this morning. But Julia did just an awesome job. It was her first time speaking to a group like this. And she was, as she said, really nervous. But she did a great job speaking to our youth. And I do think it was the first time anyone who has ever preached on this platform referred to their shoes as cute. I don't think I've ever done that before, and I don't think I ever, are my shoes cute this morning? No, they're not. Anyway, but a great time having her speak to us, really enjoyed that, and God really, really blessed uh, last week. Again, this was supposed to be Youth Sunday, but because she's out of town, we had to back that up one week. Um, you know how I like to start off with good news. A lot of times we'll go that direction to start off a sermon. I bring you good news and uh, I already posted this on Facebook this week so if you're my Facebook friend you may have already seen this but a, a young man who is a friend of mine on Facebook had reported a statistic that was a good statistic you know usually how we read statistics and it's negative trends and things are going bad and I, I, I wouldn't call myself a pessimist I would call myself a realist okay but I'm definitely not the one who who is just kind of like oh yeah everything's okay everything's great a lot of times I do tend a little more to see the, the glass is half empty than half full, if I'm honest. But this was just such a good, positive statistic. I shared it online, and I wanted to share it with you this morning. You know how we always tend to write off the generations who are younger than us as not very good, as there's not a lot of promise there, as there's more and more problems. We tend to see that everything's trending downward, and as time goes on, it's going to get worse and worse. But this statistic kind of flies in the face of that. The statistic was about Generation Z. Generation Z. I'm Generation X. I'm a Gen Xer. And I, a few months back, I did a sermon on the different living generations. If you remember that, you can kind of plug into that and, and help, help you understand this better. Um, but these are Generation Z. They are currently 4 years old to 24 years old. Four years old to 24 years old. Hey, I didn't know if I'd do this or not, but if you're in that category, if you're from four years old, and don't lie about it, please, you're in church, but if you're from four years old to 24 years old, would you stand this morning? We'd just like to see where you guys are, okay? Check it out. This is Generation Z. Give it up. Give the Lord some praise for these folks, and 
Y'all can be seated. Praise God that they're here. There are 74 million Gen Z folks in the United States at this point in time. Now, if you're under four years old, most of them would be over in Rushwood Kids. But if they're under four years old, they haven't come up with a name for that generation quite yet. But Generation Z, four to 24 years old, several of them here this morning, by the way. So that's just, that's just awesome. Um, but a recent study looked at the generational church attendance. In other words, in your early 20s, each generation in their early 20s, what was their church attendance like in the United States? And here's what this study found. It found that the baby boomer generation attended church in their early 20s at about 26%, which is not exactly knocking it out of the park, but it's going to get worse. But my mom is in the baby boomer generation. My dad was born two years before my mom, so he's in the builder generation. But the baby boomer generation in their early 20s attended church at about 26% nationally. Now at Randolph County, that would probably be a little bit higher number, but that's a national number. Then Generation X, which was my generation, um, attended at about 21%, so you had about a 5% fall off there in their early 20s. Millennials, who we always pick on millennials, we probably should stop, but it's a lot of fun. Um, but the millennial generation fell even further down into the teens and in their early 20s, millennials were attending church at the rate of 18%. But check out my guys and gals in Generation Z. So far, in their early 20s, they are attending church at a rate of 41%. We haven't seen that. Yeah, give it up because that's awesome. We haven't seen a rate of attendance like that since World War II. The previous generations have not been in church as much as this generation is in church right now. And so we just, man, I just think that was an awesome statistic. Now, I know you probably got away in there. There's some churches that are getting kind of out in left field, getting away from the Bible and stuff to attract people. And I'm sure that's a percentage, but I don't think that's, there's any way that can account for all of that jump and all of that increase. So what that means is this. The church, all of us, all together, we have an opportunity that we have not had for two or three generations with a generation who is interested in spiritual things. One of my friends came on, a fellow pastor came on Facebook and he said that they are calling Generation Z Generation Truth. They want to know the truth. They want to seek the truth. And so we have an opportunity to present the truth in an attractive way, in such a way that they will come to know the truth. And by the way, the truth is just not facts and figures. The truth is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so it's our job. Amen. It's our job to present the truth of Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, in such a way that we will not turn them off with stupid things like maybe we've done in the past. Let's not split a church over the color of the carpet. How about it? I mean, there's just been, that, that's true. I mean, that's happened in several places. And people looked at it, the baby boomers looked at it, and the millennials looked at it, and the Gen Xers looked at it and said, I don't think I want to be part of that. We need to get away from stuff like that and focus on the truth of who Jesus is because we have an opportunity with this generation. They will totally change the direction of our nation. 
And they will totally change the direction of our world if we're wise enough to capitalize on what's happening and this trend. So I thought that was just a very positive thing. Just a, very, a great thing because I'm always bringing you guys bad news, it seems like. I want to bring you good news that we have a great opportunity to be wise as we take that opportunity to reach this generation who I believe they're more like their great-grandparents than their grandparents or their moms and dads. They're, they're bringing us back to a place that we used to be. I know my son, who is 12 years old, man, sometimes we have to hold him back because he's all about the truth. He'll tell it when you don't want him to, you know? Um, but I, we've got a great opportunity with this generation, so let's take it. Let's pray for them. You need to be praying for Generation Z. You need to be praying for these folks that God is raising up. Now, I would say outside of that 41% and the other part, you got some people who are probably going hard the other direction. They're going to be, I believe, a very polarized generation. But anyway, I thought that was positive. I wanted to share it with you, and I want you to be in prayer for this generation of Christians that God is raising up to do something mighty and amazing with them. And I believe, this goes right into the, my sermon this morning, I believe that God is going to call many of that generation into the ministry. He's going to call many into his ministry, the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so today's message, I believe, is a timely one. Today's message is how, you know, we're doing the series How To, and I'm telling you various things, how to know this or how to do that. Today's sermon is how to know that you are called into the ministry. How to know that you are called into the ministry. And I understand with a sermon like this, I'm not speaking to every single person, maybe but obliquely I am speaking to everybody because maybe you're going to be the parent of someone who is called into the ministry or the grandparent or the neighbor or the youth worker or whatever. You're going to be around somebody or maybe it is you and maybe God is already stirring your heart and you know that you're, he's got a special call on your life. And so I want to help you work through that. Very thankful that as God had a special call on my life when I was younger, there were men and women who helped me work through that and come to the place where I answered that call. How to know that you're called in the ministry? Let me tell you right up front, there's two answers to this question, by the way. Right off the bat, how to know that you're called in the ministry. The first answer, the first way that you can know that you are called in the ministry is simply that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian today, if you would describe yourself as a Christian, if you have made the decision to follow Jesus, if the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your life, if you have been baptized and you've had your coming out party to let everybody know you are a Christian, then you are called to be a minister. Should have been an amen there, so let me try that again. If you are a Christian, you are called to be a minister. Each and every one of you, everybody here who knows Jesus this morning in all four sections that I'm preaching to and online, if you are a Christian, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you're already called to be a minister of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation a people for God's own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We're a kingdom of priests. Theologians call this the, pre, the concept of the priesthood of believers. 
If you are a Christian, you are a minister. If you are a Christian, you are a priest, a little priest within your sphere of influence, like there were priests in the Old Testament. And the priests in the Old Testament spoke to God on behalf of the people, and they spoke to people on behalf of God. You are called into the priesthood of believers. It's not just me. It's not just Pastor Jason. It's not just Pastor Blake. It's not just our leadership team. It's not just our board. Every one of you, every person who's a Christian, under the sound of my voice, you are called to be a minister of the gospel. Amen, 100%. we got to get that. we got to let it drill down into our soul. You are called to be a minister of the gospel. My mom and dad, on their refrigerator, it's been there since I was a kid, they have a little magnet that was given out by the Wesleyan Church. I don't remember how or why, but they've had it there for years. And it says, what will I do today to help someone become more like Jesus Christ? My mom and dad weren't pastors. They weren't in any sort of church leadership, paid church leadership position or anything like that. But they knew they were ministers of the gospel. And they placed that on their refrigerator so they'd see it every morning. And they would see it every noon. And they would see it every night. That they have a responsibility to help people become more like Jesus Christ. They knew it. That was part of my household growing up. That was part of just the way we did things. Because we knew we were called to be ministers. I was talking to Kevin Allman the other day. Kevin plays our guitar back here. And Kevin has an amazing testimony he may share with you sometime. But he was talking about at work how this young lady had just come on and she was a trainee and she was in an almost impossible situation. And he saw how down she was. In fact, one day she was in tears. And so he went over and talked to her and she explained the situation to him. And he said, let me pray for you. Can I pray for you? And Kevin stopped right there and he prayed over this lady's situation. A couple of hours, she's just in tears as he prays with her. A couple of hours later, she comes back with a smile on her face. And she says, you'll never believe what happened. After you prayed for me, what seemed like an impossible situation totally turned around and it worked out. And now what looked bad is going in a good direction. Thank you for praying for me. Kevin was a priest within that situation. Kevin was a minister within that situation. On the job, he took the opportunity to pray for this lady, and he spoke to God on her behalf. He fulfilled that role. He didn't call me up and say, Hey, Brent, there's a lady at the, at the place where I work, and things are going on. I need you to get down here and pray for her. No, he didn't have to do that. He stepped in as a part of the priesthood of the believers and he prayed for her. God turned her situation around and then he said, Hey, I'd love for you to come to church with me sometime. I'd love for you to come to my church. See, that's what we're supposed to do day in and day out. So if you are called, if you are called to know Jesus Christ, if you've answered that call, you're also called to be a minister for him. Wow, if we could ever get a hold of that concept. I mean, imagine on D-Day, we're coming up on the anniversary of D-Day. Imagine on D-Day, if the only ones who rode up onto Omaha Beach and Utah Beach and the only ones who invaded Normandy were the generals of the Allied forces. Imagine how quick that would have been over. A couple of well-placed bombs, boom, or, or, or missiles, boom, it's over, and that's the end of the invasion. No, it wasn't just the generals who invaded, it was the entire force. The entire force came together and overwhelmed the opposition. That's what we need. Imagine in the church if it stopped being just Brent and just Jason 
and just the worship team and just others, just, just Pastor Blake, if it stopped being just us and everybody was part of the invading force against the gates of hell, imagine what would happen. We would see things change. So this morning, I hope that's the first thing you get is that we are all called to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll ask you a question this morning. What, or I want you to ask yourself a question. Let's do it that way. Ask yourself, what is my ministry? What is my ministry? It may be your children for sure. If you have kids, if you have children, your ministry is to them. It may be on, in your neighborhood. It may be at the school where you work. It may be wherever. What is your ministry? There may be ministry that you do here, but there needs to be something you do here and something you do out of here. We're all called to be ministers. We're not called just to be pew warmers. Sorry, I love that you're here. I love that you fill up this red space on Sunday morning. I, I love all of that. But we're not called just to warm a pew. We're called to be ministers, workers, servants of Jesus Christ. We're called to carry the gospel into the darkest corners of this world. That's our calling, not just mine, all of us. So let's get that this morning. Man, if we could get a hold of that, what things would change in this world? At the same time, that's the first answer to the question at the same time, there is a second answer to the question, how do I know that I'm called into the ministry? Because all Christians, like I said, are called into the ministry, but there is also a special, specific call that the Holy Spirit places on the lives of certain believers. Acts chapter 13 and verse 2 gives us a little example of this. <coughs> Excuse me. While they were ministering to the Lord, worshiping, and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Early church, they're praying, they're worshiping, they're serving the Lord. Notice in this verse, God is calling a specific person or specific people to a specific work. He says to them, set apart Paul and Barnabas. I've got a special thing I want them to do. I've got a certain work I want them to do. Call them and set them apart. Consecrate them, in other words. Reserve them for this work because this is the work that I have for them to do. As Christians, like I've already said, we're all called to spread the gospel to all of creation. But there is a special call there is a call for certain people to be set apart within those who have already been set apart. You say, well, Brent, that seems a little bit sacred. And that seems a little bit scary. That seems a little bit special, that sort of call. And I want you to understand, if you think it's sacred and scary and special, you're on the right track. That call within the call, that setting apart within those who have already been set apart, it's nothing to play with, y'all. It's real. It's something very special. It's something very sacred. God has a special call for certain ones of us. And that may not be everybody here today, but there's probably somebody here today that he's already speaking to. Or maybe it's somebody who is watching online. And I know if you feel like you have that special call on your life, to be set apart for a special function, a special work within God's plan, I know you're probably wrestling with it. Because our first tendency when we get that call, that special call on our lives, is to turn into Jonah and run. We run, 
We push it away. We push it down. We avoid it. We ignore it. We do whatever. And you know what? I'm not sure I completely trust somebody who doesn't do that a little bit. Because it's so sacred and it's so special before God. And and scary, if you don't run a little bit, if you're too eager, if you're just ready to jump headlong into that, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. I, I have seen people who have been that way. And I mean, just immediately they wanted to jump into this special call on their lives. And I will tell you, at the end of the day, most of them, it ended up not being a true call. They were doing it for another reason. I knew a young man one time who, uh, he was under the, the leadership of a certain youth pastor. And this youth pastor just seemed to have everything going for them. And all of a sudden, this young man felt a call into the ministry. And when I started to talk to him about it, and and this call that was on his life, he said, well, so-and-so seems to have it made. Seems like a good way to make a living. Seems like a good life. And I thought, this dude is not called. This dude is not called. Because oftentimes it's a life of sacrifice. Oftentimes it's a life of heartache. It is definitely a life of responsibility. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. If you feel like you're called in the ministry as a way to make money, please don't go into the ministry. Seriously. Now, God blesses certain ministers, and there's certain ministers that, that become affluent, and I'm not saying that's wrong, and I'm not saying they're evil, but if that's your goal up front, please don't go into the ministry. You're missing the boat. Or better yet, you're jumping in a boat you probably shouldn't be in. It's something different. It's something sacred. It's something special. I know I really started sensing the call into ministry when I was 15 years old, and I wrestled with it from the time I was 15 till the time I was 19. I wrestled with it. I didn't just jump headlong into it like it was nothing because it is special and it is sacred. It should be a little bit scary to us. So I know if you're feeling that call on your life right now, it's a little scary for you, and I want to help you work through some of that to help you understand Maybe some of the signs that point to the fact, yes, you really are called. Because the worst, I guess, one of the things that, that you don't want to have happen is you jump into the ministry in this special call and you're not supposed to. But the other thing is, if you really have that call on your life and you miss it, that's another thing that can happen. I don't want to happen to you if you really do have that call on your life. So today I want us to look at one of the great callings in the Bible. It's the calling of the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet because Jeremiah had a tough message to deliver. He had a message to deliver that God's people had gotten out of bounds of God's law and God's purposes. And because they had gotten out of bounds of God's law and God's purposes, God was about to bring some strong correction to them. And so Jeremiah was brokenhearted knowing that he had to go to these people and deliver a tough message to them. But yet he had one of the most amazing callings in the Bible. His calling is located in Jeremiah chapter 1, located in the book that bears his name. Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 4 through 5. We're going to read it this morning. It's from the New American Standard Bible that I'm reading this section. I don't always have you do this, but this morning I'd like to ask that you stand to honor the reading of God's Word as we read this this morning. The call of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1 chapter 4 verses 4 through 5. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. 
But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. Let me give you some points. Let me give you some points that emerge from that short scripture, but that rich calling of the prophet Jeremiah. First point I want to give you this morning is this. If you are called into the ministry, God himself will tell you. If you are called into the ministry, God himself will tell you. Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. The word of the Lord, the word of God came to me. God spoke to me, in other words. Let me tell you something about this special calling. You cannot call yourself. You cannot call yourself. If you do, you're going to be in error, you're going to be wrong, you're going to end up at the wrong place at the wrong time. You cannot call yourself. Your mama can't call you. She might say, oh, my baby boy going to be a preacher. Whole life, I just know he's going to be a preacher, but mama can't call you. If your mama called, you're going to miss the boat. Only God can call you. Your friends can't call you. They can tell you you're the most holy, good Christian that they know and that you're good at speaking. They can tell you all this stuff, but your friends cannot call you in the ministry. Don't ever let friends mess you up on something like that. I, as your pastor, cannot call you. Now, sometimes God taps me on the shoulder. I really believe this. Sometimes God taps me on the shoulder and says, yeah, that person. You can see it, Brent. I'm doing something special in them. And sometimes I've had conversations with people and said, hey, is God not working on you? But I never say, God is working on you, and this is what you have to do. And I never direct it in that sort of way. But sometimes God may speak to me about somebody. I really believe that. But I cannot call you into the ministry. If you're called into the ministry, this special ministry of the gospel, God is the only one who can call you. It has to be the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart that doesn't mean that God can't speak through people because all along during my calling all the way along God used people to speak into my life and as we go through this sermon this morning you're going to see that that God used several people to speak to my life about the calling that he had on my life so it doesn't mean that God can't use people but at the end of the day it's just you and him he's going to call you and you have to answer not to anyone else but to him if you are called in the ministry, you will hear God's voice on it some way, somehow. Some way he'll speak to you. My mama used to put it this way. She'd say, God is big enough to let you know. God is big enough to let you know. If you're really called, he'll let you know. If you're really called, he's probably already speaking to you. If you're really called, I would imagine he has you here this morning to hear this for a reason. You're not just coincidentally here. You're providentially here this morning. Because God is speaking to you. In my life, let me give you some examples from my life because really that's the most intimate life I'm connected with is my own life. So let me speak to you out of that. In my life, I would hear preachers preach 
And I would have the thought, just as a whisper, just the slightest whisper in the back of my mind or, or, or down in my spirit, and I would hear, you could do that one day. I would hear preachers preach, and my thought as I, as I watched them preach was, you could do that one day. You could do that. Even at school, sometimes even at public school, imagine God speaking in a public school about calling to ministry. They might not have allowed it, but he didn't care because he was God. But even in public school, sometimes we would have Christian motivational speakers come in, and they would come, and they would do a, basically a non-Christian but positive message during the day, talking to us about suicide prevention or drug abuse prevention or making good choices. And so they would do that during the day, and then sometime later during the week, they would have services at night where they would share their faith. And so we had people like that who would come in, and I would hear just in the back of my mind just that whisper, just that little bit where God would say to me, you'll be doing that one day. That will be you. One time I wrote a newspaper article when I was young for uh, the Courier Tribune. Done that several times. And one of my mom and dad's business friends from Greensboro, he was a devout Christian. He and his wife were faithful believers. And he read my article and he just happened to be in my mom and dad's store when I came by. And he had read that article and he said to me, Brent, does God have a call on your life? When he said that, I said, yes. But it's not to be a preacher, it's to be a teacher. And the minute I said that, the minute those words escaped my lips, I felt like I had lied. I felt like I had said something that wasn't true. That wasn't coincidence, that was providence. God was letting me know. When I was a teaching fellow... At UNCG, it was probably my junior or senior year, I can't remember which, but one of the girls that, that was in our group who I'd gotten to know pretty well looked at me one day and she said, so when are you leaving here and going into seminary? And I said, what do you mean? She said, Brent, we all know you're called to be a preacher. We all know it. God spoke to me in hundreds of ways. And it took every one of them for me to understand he really was calling me, even me, to be a preacher of his gospel. So I just wonder this morning, has he been speaking to you? Has he been speaking to you? If so, don't push the voice away. Listen to his voice. Number two, if you are called in the ministry, God has a plan for you. If you are called in the ministry, God has a plan for you. God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. What's this stupid stuff about a child isn't a child until it's born? That right there says different. These states, uh, it's amazing how there are states who are passing laws to protect the unborn, and there are states that are passing laws to destroy the unborn. And only one is on God's side. I don't care what their reasoning is. If they're not on the side of protecting those lives that God has already formed and already started, they're on Satan's side and they're not on God's side. I don't care who it makes mad, it's just the truth this morning. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God had a plan for Jeremiah's life even before Jeremiah was born. 
even before he was named, even before people knew who Jeremiah was, God had a plan for his life. When God created the universe, he knew all about Jeremiah. He knew when he would be born. He knew where he would be born. He knew that Jeremiah would follow him. God even knew that he would call him to be a prophet and that Jeremiah would answer that call. And no, it wasn't just because it was foreknown, just because God had foreknowledge of it, doesn't mean it was predestined to happen that way. Jeremiah had free will to say yes or to say no, but God, knowing everything, knew what Jeremiah would say. And he'd already set him apart. He had a plan for Jeremiah's life even before there was a Jeremiah. And God had a plan for your life even before there was a you. Even before you showed up on this planet, God had a plan for your life, a perfect and beautiful and wonderful plan for your life. I still have a scene etched into my mind from when I was a child, and I don't know, I was maybe three, maybe four years old. But my grandmother, Ty Singer, my dad's mom, her house is right up the driveway right here. I can point you to where it is. And I still remember... As little kids do, my cousin and I were playing on her bed, playing with cars or something. I don't even remember that part of it. But I remember my cousin looked at me and said, Hey, Brent, what you going to be when you grow up? You know the question that you always get as a kid. Other kids ask it. Parents ask it. Friends, neighbors, everybody ask. What you going to be when you grow up? He said, I'm going to be a firefighter or a policeman, which both of those would be very admirable jobs and very necessary jobs but he said Brent what you gonna be I said I'm gonna be a preacher God was speaking to me before I was even saved because he already had a plan for my life I wasn't it's not that I was self-called it's not that I was making it up God was already speaking to me because he had a plan for what he would do with this life right here broken and frail and messed up as it can sometimes be he had a plan for my life he had a plan for Jeremiah's life he has a plan for your life he has a plan for all of us number three if you are called in the ministry your excuses won't excuse you if you are called in the ministry your excuses won't excuse you Jeremiah told God, Alas, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. Now, that's one of the worst excuses you can come up with because that will change, by the way. If you're too young, you're not going to get anything but older. Seemed like Jeremiah was grasping at straws. And you know, it's so easy, like I said, it's so easy for us to run and to make excuses and not to admit that God... Because I'll be honest with you, if you're truly called, you probably feel like, Who, Me? No, God, you, not me. I'm hearing the wrong thing. Go, go, go call that person over there, not me. And so we run and we make excuses, and he made the excuse that he was too young. And if you remember when Moses was called, 40 years old, Moses is called into the ministry at the burning bush. And God, or, or, or after he had left Egypt, I should say, called in the ministry at the burning bush, and when God calls him, remember Moses said, but, 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 but God, I, I, I stutter and I stammer. I can't do that, God. And God says, look, if that's the problem, I'll send your brother Aaron with you, and he can speak. But what's funny, all throughout Exodus and that whole storyline, you see that Moses is speaking all the time. It was just an excuse. 
God said, whatever, your excuse is not going to excuse you. I'm calling you to this. I have a calling on your life. Because God doesn't care. God knows what he's doing when he calls you. He doesn't have it wrong. He has it right. He has a reason that he's calling you. He knows because he's God. If you have a calling on your life, you'll never find an excuse that is good enough for him. When I told my parents that I had accepted the call, my mom and dad were happy. When I told my mom and dad, I think the way I said it was, I believe that one day God is going to use me to preach. I think that's how I finally admitted there was a call on my life. It wasn't like a bold, God has called me to preach. It was something kind of like that. But my mom and dad said, well, we knew already. We're just waiting for you to figure it out. But I mentored a young man who, when he accepted the call, his mom and dad were not happy because they said, we're just not sure you can make a good living at being a minister. Which, by the way, maybe not. Maybe not. But when God calls us, he doesn't call us and say it's going to be comfortable or easy or fun. He just calls us. What if this young man had listened to his mom and dad? And by the way, this young man is now a successful young minister doing amazing things for God. And he's not the one you're thinking of. He's another one. But what if he had listened to his mom and dad who were worried about the financial part of it and had not heeded the call? He might have spent his entire life not doing what God had called him to do. Your excuse isn't good enough. Your mom and dad's excuse isn't good enough. Your friend's excuse isn't good enough. When God calls you, your excuse will not excuse you. He has a call on your life, and you'll never be happy until you fulfill that call. When I was just called in the ministry, my mom and dad arranged for me to meet with a pastor who is still a pastor in town here, and I'm still friends with him, still in a prayer group with him, but he had taken a track similar to what I had taken, and I went and I talked to him about being called into the ministry, and he said to me, if you can do anything else and be happy, then go do it. If you can do anything else, because this is not an easy life, it's not a, 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 a comfortable life necessarily, if you can go do anything else and be happy, then go do it, because if you can be happy doing something else, you're not really called in the ministry. And that was some tough love, but I found, like, found out it was true. It was true, but if you are really called in the ministry, you'll never be happy doing anything else. I promise you, you won't be. It'll always come back to you. You can run like Jonah, but if God has to, he'll have a big fish or a whale or whatever swallow you and spit you out where you need to be. You'll never be happy until you're at the place where he called you to be. And so God looked at Jeremiah who said, I'm too young, I'm not wise enough, I'm not able to do it. And God said, look, I'm with you and I will rescue you. I'm with you and I will rescue you. Now watch your other excuse. I'm going to be with you. God is good. Number four. If you're called in the ministry, God will speak his words through you. If you're called in the ministry, God will speak his words through you. If God is calling you into the ministry, it is not. It is not so you can pass your own opinion or build your own brand or become some sort of spiritual guru. I mean, we already got Oprah and people like that for that. God doesn't need that. God is calling you to speak his words his way to his people. If God is calling you, he's not calling you to be an opinion former, or he's not calling you to promote yourself or anything else. 
I'm always wary of preachers who promote themselves, ministers who promote themselves too much. It sets me back a little bit. But anyway, different sermon for a different day. God is calling you to speak his words, his way to his people. That's why I'm not always just fluffing stuff up here, y'all. Sometimes I know I say stuff and it might make you mad. And you might go home and say, I don't know if I'm ever going back to that church again. But what you need to do is go back to the word and see if I'm right. Because what I'm really trying to do is speak God's words, his way to his people. And sometimes, look, sometimes the Bible makes me mad. Sometimes I read God's word and I think, I wish that was not in there. Because I don't want to do that today. I'd rather do something else. But if it's in there, it's his word and I have to live up to it. And if you're called, you're not called to write the mail. You're just called to deliver it. And people can like it or lump it or whatever, but they have to deal with it because it's God's word and it will not change. Jeremiah said, Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. I've put my words in your mouth. The greatest compliment I ever received in ministry happened about right in here. I had only been at Rushwood maybe a year or two, and I had preached, and a young lady that my wife and I had gotten to know who had a lot of problems in her life, some self-inflicted, some that weren't her fault at all, but she had a lot of, lot of things she was trying to work through. And I was done preaching one Sunday morning, and I stepped down these couple of steps, and I got back right there, and she met me, and she came up to me, and she said, I need you to know something. She said, when you speak, I hear God. When you speak, I hear his voice. That's the greatest compliment I've ever been given and probably ever will be given in ministry. I get the privilege of speaking the words of God. I get the privilege of standing here and trying to deliver his truth to his people. That's why I always say, if it's my words, it's not worth anything. But if it's God's word, it's going to accomplish its purpose. And it's going to do something very very special. It's a great privilege to speak the words of God. It's a privilege that I try my best not to take lightly. I try to take myself lightly. I try not to think too much of myself, but I try to never take that privilege of speaking his words lightly because it's so important. Number five, and we're finishing up here. Number five, if you are called into the ministry, God will change this world because of you. God will change this world because of you. Years ago, I heard an old man preacher. His name was O.W. Willis. Anybody remember O.W. Willis? Anybody? And then, by the way, if, if there's a guy and his first name is initials, you know he can preach. That's just how it is. If he's got initials for that first name, sit back. He's going to tell you something good. But I remember he was preaching a camp meeting service for us. I believe he was tag-teaming it with another preacher. They were alternating nights. But I remember O.W. Willis said this, and he's probably not the first or the last one to say it, but his words stuck in my heart in a really good way. He said, if God calls you to preach, if God calls you to be a preacher of the gospel, don't stoop to be a king. In other words, what he was saying, let me translate that to you, put it more in modern language. He was saying, if, you, if God calls you to be a preacher of the gospel and you could go be the king of England, that would be a step down. There's no higher calling than to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Never forgot him saying that. It encouraged me. It emboldened me. It helped to refine what God was already doing in my heart. There is no position on earth that is higher than being a minister of the gospel of Christ Jesus. And again, we're all ministers. But again, there are some, some that are called out. They are set apart out of those who have already been set apart for a special purpose for God. God's words to Jeremiah say this, See, today I, ha I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. In other words, those who preach the gospel of Jesus Christ change this world for eternity. I can do a lot of great things in my own strength because I'm created in the image of God, and you are too. I can do a lot of great things in my strength and my ingenuity and my planning, and they might last for a while, but they will not last for eternity. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. If you want to change eternity, if you want to change this world forever, if you want to change the trajectory of a human being forever, because as we minister, some because of the ministry God does through us, some go to heaven, and those who reject it go a different direction. It changes the world for eternity, those of us who are called to preach the gospel. So I'm wondering this morning, is there someone here who is called to be set apart among those who are set apart? It doesn't necessarily have to be a preacher. Maybe you're called to be a worship leader. Maybe you're called to be a Christian school teacher. Maybe you're called to be a professor. Maybe you're called to be a pastor. I, I don't know if God's speaking to you about full-time Christian ministry or bivocational ministry. I mean, that calling is so personal between you and God, there's no way I can know. But if you feel like God is placing and He's calling you to a special call on your life, I'd love the opportunity to pray for you this morning. And no, we're not going to sign you up for seminary right this minute, I promise. Okay? I just would like to pray for you. Whether you end up going that direction or you end up saying, no, you know what, it really wasn't for me. I, don't, I really sense that God wasn't called me. I would just like to be able to pray over you. Because I had good men and good women, good godly folks who prayed over me during my process. And sometimes they spoke a word and they never knew what it meant to me. But it changed the trajectory of my life. Some of them encouraged me. I had some who discouraged me, but they ultimately couldn't discourage me because God kept calling me. But I'd just like the opportunity to pray over you this morning. I'd just like to ask you to come right here. If you feel like God has a special call on that doesn't mean that you're any better than anyone else. Okay? We're not saying that this morning. It's just that God has called you for a special purpose. I would love the opportunity to pray over you this morning. I'd love the opportunity just to ask God to keep speaking to you, keep calling you, keep refining it, keep clarifying it this morning. So the worship team is going to sing a song, and it's a song that we were, we were looking for a song to end this service, and we just really didn't have one in the repertoire. And God kind of brought us to this song, and it's about surrendering your all to Him. And really answering this type of call, that's really what it's all about, is surrendering 
everything to him. And so as they're singing this, we invite you to come. I'm going to have everybody stand if you would. And if you feel like God is, has a special call that he's placing on your life, it's a big admission to even say, you know what, I'm, just, I'm sensing something here. I'm feeling something. I'm hearing something here. And I need to pray through it. I need to give God his opportunity. I need to give God, I need to give the Holy Spirit his due. And I need to pray about this. If you're sensing that this morning, I'd ask you to come. Just come right in here. We're going to pray over you. Congregation, we're, we're, we're working on forming a team, an altar team, to make sure that people are always, always have somebody to pray over them. Look, some are already moving. But congregation, don't leave them alone, okay? Ladies need to come up and pray with ladies, guys with guys. But if God's got a special call on your life this morning, come forward. Answer that call. Worship team's going to sing. And as the worship team sings this morning, just follow the Holy Spirit's leading. Amen.
Give God some praise this morning, church. Let's do it this way. I want those who are uh, prayer support, thank you for coming and praying. But I'd like you to go and have a seat right now. But I just want those who, are, who step forward to say there's a call on my life. I want you guys to stay. If you could just come in a little closer together. I just want to pray over you. Congregation, do this. Take your right hand and just reach it out toward them. Just as a means of support, just as a means of saying we're praying over these. This is a big step. This is a big step. Father, I just pray right now for these men and women who step forward. Different stations of life. Different backgrounds. Different roads that brought them to this moment. But God, what a bold and amazing thing that they stepped out and they said, God is dealing with me in a special way. And I may not understand it all right now. I may not know what's ahead, but I'm just willing to step forward in faith. And God, I just pray, would you amplify your voice to them? Would you speak even louder? Would you speak to their heart in such a way that they can't mistake it? God, we're asking for crystal clarity here. God, they might, you don't, you don't give us all of it at once, Lord. We know that. And, and Lord, you're not required to, but you, would you just show them the next step? And God, would you make this the kind of church where we can surround them with support in such a way that they come all the way to fruition in what you're calling them to? God, I marvel when I look back on my life, the, the people who knew so much more than me and how many times I goofed up and how many times they could have just written me off and said, boy, that Ty Singer guy, he's, he's, no, he's no good. He's not the material that we need for the ministry. But God, they didn't do that. They just loved me. And I pray we would be that kind of church and I would be that kind of pastor. So God, continue to speak. Give them a special anointing. God, amaze us with what you do through them. And Lord, if there's somebody out in the pews this morning that didn't step forward, but their heart was beating out of their chest and they just couldn't make that step, Lord, that's been me so many times. And I pray you continue to speak to them until you bring them to this point and beyond. Lord, thank you for meeting with us this morning. Your Holy Spirit showed up, showed out, spoke change things and we're forever grateful God we love you and we praise you we pray all this in the matchless name of Jesus 
the one that calls us to go out on his behalf and take the good news about him to this entire world. We praise you for him this morning. It's in his name we pray and we all said together, amen. I really do love you and there's nothing that you can do about it. I hope you'll come and hang out with us Wednesday night. Continue to pray for these folks, will you? God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you so much for being